0: Spiritual
1: Well, great morning. <laughs> Thank you. I want to um, just let you know that the, the talk today is about divine gratitude, and I have a tremendous sense of gratitude to be here t- today. And um, I had shared that uh, when I first walked in, I got here like an hour before the first service, and like everybody that I encountered offered to help me and ask what they could do. And da, da, da. and I said, this is the truth. I've had more loving support for the first, you know, walking in here than I had in the last three or four churches combined. Now, don't get me wrong. They all supported, you know, the guest minister. But, I mean, I was just like, wow, this place is just amazing with loving energy and helpfulness and all that stuff. And um, I kind of shared this in the first service, but it's worth repeating. My favorite song is, I Am So Blessed. And the rendition that you wonderful folks did of I Am So Blessed, um, I didn't admit it the first time, but I was teary-eyed both services for that song. It is, that was the most beautiful rendition I've ever heard of I Am So Blessed, and that was, wow. And then what I added in the first service, please don't tell Karen Drucker I said that. Because I love Karen, too, but <laughs> this was the best. So anyway, um, talking about gratitude, I want to share one of the stories that I truly, truly love. It's actually my favorite story. And um, because this is such a helpful, loving ministry, I'm going to invite you to help tell the story with me. So are you guys in a helpful mood? Yes. All right, I like this. I like this good stuff. There was this very beautiful, well-organized monastery, about 45, 50 monks in there. And what happened is they got a new abbot. Of course, the abbot is the head of a monastery. And what happens is they get up in the morning, 6 o'clock or whatever. They go to the chapel and they do their morning vespers for about an hour, two hours, whatever. And then they go to breakfast. And, of course, the abbot is at the head table. And he started this new procedure or he would stand up and sing out to his congregation of monks, Good morning! And all the monks would sing back,
0: Good morning!
1: God, you guys are good. <laughs> and it sounds like you've been to the monastery, too. I like it. Well, anyway, initially it was really very exciting, and everybody was liking this new energy and all that stuff. But as the weeks went on and on, and on some of the monks, you know, we all have these little ego traps. We like things done our way, and this new procedure was starting to make just a couple of monks a little uncomfortable. But one monk was getting very frustrated with this new f- routine, and so um, this one morning the abbot stands up and he sings out, "Good morning," and his monks sing back. Good. except for our frustrated monk. He sang out, Good evening. <laughs> now, even though there's 45, 50 monks singing good morning, the abbot heard the disharmony. He heard the dissonance. He heard the out-of-synchronization of his monk's response. So he looks out at his monks, and he says, Someone chanted evening. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why this is my favorite story. How many people here are familiar with Eric Butterworth? Oh, yeah. Okay, Eric is one of my main gurus. And Eric, when he was a teenager, he thought he was going to become an opera singer. Now... When I was a teenager, I, in fact, I totally resisted everybody telling me I should have been a unity minister for years, and I just stuffed it. James didn't think he was going to be a minister when he was a teenager either. Most ministers don't know that's what we're going to end up doing. And what happens is, well, in my case, I could say I surrendered to it, and I think that's what most of the ministers do. They surrender to that guidance, but it wasn't part of the game plan for me. So anyway, my question for us is... Like the monastery when the abbot heard the dissonance and the disharmony, what do we do when our life has some dissonance, some disharmony, some out of synchronization, or maybe we have some choices and we don't know which is the best way to go. And we have all kinds of things. We could have doubts about things. We could have fears about things. What do we do when all this stuff comes up in our consciousness? How do we deal with it? I'm going to give you a hint. The first four words of Scripture give us the answer. What are the first four words of Scripture? In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Thank you, yes. In fact, it is very clearly stated in 1 John 5, verse 4. Whatever is born of God conquers the world. I'm going to read that again. Whatever is born of God conquers the world. Let's affirm this together. Whatever is born of God conquers the world. Dear ones, born of God kind of indicates that you put God at the beginning of the situation. So when fear comes up, when doubt comes up, no matter what comes up, disharmony, disorder, chaos, put God first. That's where we really get to feel our blessings, and we feel blessed. And so we can go to a high level of gratitude when we feel the solution and the resolution and the guidance on how to get there. So basically, putting God at the beginning is what I'm calling going back to basics. In fact, let me tell you how important it is to go back to basics. How many people here have ever heard of Vince Lombardi? Almost every, this must be a football town. I love it. Okay, basically, Vince Lombardi was the probably the most successful uh, professional football coach. Um, he won five championships over his 10 years at Green Bay. He went from, uh, the, the, before they hired him, they had a one- win season. They hired Vince Lombardi and they had a winning season. And I can't remember what how many games they won, but basically, and then from then on, they just got better and better. And out of the five championships he won, the last two were Super Bowls on top of everything else. So that's Vince Lombardi. And Vince Lombardi, here's how he went back to basics. Now remember, the first training camp, he's dealing with professional football players plus the cream of the crop of the high school graduates in the draft. He would pick up a football, and he would say, gentlemen, this is a football. That's how he started his first camp every year. How many people here have ever heard of John Wooden? The most successful college basketball coach of all time. He won something like 12 national championships. He goes back to the basics just like this. Now, remember, he had players... From his previous year's national championship, and he had the cream of the crop of the high school draft picks for his basketball team, and he would start out by teaching the first class how to put on your socks and your shoes, you know, making them tight and snug and all so, total back to basics. How many people here know of Myrtle Fillmore? Okay, beautiful. She went back to basics when she was diagnosed to have six months to live. And when she basically heard that as a child of God, we do not inherit sickness, she took that one statement she heard at a New Thought Revival, and she spent six to eight hours a day in prayer and meditation. She had a, an empty chair in front of her with a picture of Jesus on it, and she went through all these forgiveness things to her different parts of her body temple, forgiving, asking forgiveness for her mis misjudging them being sickly and weakly for her entire life. So what happened is she basically had such a high level of health and healing that for the next almost 40 years of her life, she had no illnesses, no bedridden days or anything like this, whereas the first 40 years, she was sickly and weakly continuously. So anyway, that was Myrtle. Now Charles, Papa Charlie, basically he had going back to basics as our first precept our first principle in unity that god the good is everywhere present and so basically the, the 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 way that you when i first got into unity back in the 70s what i what i the way they said it was there's only one presence and one power in the universe and in my life god the good omnipotent now i like the way you guys have it worded it's much better but i don't know your way, the way you said it um, so let's do let's do the original way that Papa Charlie wrote it. There is only one presence and one power in the universe and in my life, God the Good Omnipotent. Together, there is only one presence and one power in the universe and in my life, God the Good Omnipotent. Wow, that's a powerful statement. Back to basics, powerful statement. Back to basics. There's a story that really, for me, encapsulates what this journey of Classroom Earth is all about, and um, it's very interesting. I had a very interesting twist on this story. It happened to me last week when I was at Edgewater Unity in Edgewater, Florida. Jack Cornfield uh, uh, and um, Mark Victor Hansen wrote. Chicken Soup of the Soul. How many people are familiar with the, with the 30 volumes of Chicken Soup of the Soul? Yeah, okay. Anyway, it, it was either the first or the second issue that came out that shared this story. This Now, Jack was actually did a speaking engagement somewhere in Asia. Um, but he and his wife made it a vacation, a business vacation, because after he finished doing his talking, they toured parts of Southeast Asia, and they were spending time in Thailand going to Buddhist temples. And what he shared in the book is that after a while, you know, they all are starting to blend together because there was so much similarity in all that until they came to this one temple that they, they'll never forget, and Jack actually wrote a story about it. Basically, the monastery that had this, it was a 10-foot tall golden Buddha, and um what happened was in 1956, the government of Thailand was going to put, put a, put a superhighway through where this monastery used to exist. So they had to move the monastery. You know how governments are. They get what they want when they want it, right? So anyway, they had to move the monastery, and so they had this crane come in, and unfortunately, it was starting to rain, but the crane got all hooked up with the Buddhist statue, and they were lifting the statue, and the statue started cracking And the crane was starting to bend. It wasn't strong enough to pick up the statue. And they realized they must have way underestimated the weight of this. Oh, it was about a 12-foot clay statue. And so what happened is the the, the head of the monastery told them to put the the statue down, get a bigger crane. Tomorrow we're going to redo this. So they covered it with a tarp because the rain was coming down and there were some cracks in the statue now. And so basically that night... He's having a hard time sleeping. He's thinking and worrying about this their the, the big Buddha statue. So the, he goes out with a flashlight and he's just walking around checking, you know, under the tarp. He's walking around looking at what what you know what the statue is looking like after the cracking and all. And as he goes past one of the cracks, something very bright reflects back to him. And so he checks it again, and and it's very bright. So he goes in and gets a hammer and a chisel, and he takes out a chunk of this clay. And as he keeps taking out some clay, it's getting brighter and brighter and brighter. And so he keeps working on this all night long. And by the morning, what he did with this 12-foot clay Buddha statue turned out to be a 10-foot solid gold Buddha. And he was astounded, of course, and what they realized after much later is that hundreds and hundreds of years ago, you know mongol groups and different groups would just, you know raid and do all that kind of stuff. And the monastery knew that their golden Buddha would be devastated and you know, dismantled and taken for gold. So what the monks did is they covered it with, like literally six to eight, 10 inches of clay throughout the whole, the whole statue, so it was a clay Buddha is what everybody thought. Well, unfortunately, apparently, all the monks were killed by these marauders, and nobody knew what was underneath the clay, this priceless golden Buddha. And what happened was the, um, the discovery of that just changed the consciousness. But what I love about the story is it's very reflective of us. We have so much garbage put onto us by unknowing parents, unknowing teachers, unknowing peers, unknowing so much stuff. We get so much junk bombarded on us. And when we are born, we come into the world like sponges. We take everything in. We take it all in, whether we know we're doing it consciously or not. So when you're told, like, I had a beautiful program for many years. If I spilled a glass of milk or something like that, I would say to myself, you stupid idiot. And the reason I said that is that's what my program was. If I spilled a glass of milk or any of my siblings did, mom or dad would say, you stupid idiot. So guess what? I had that program. So even when mom and dad were no longer there, guess who did the you stupid idiot? I did it to myself. So just like the Clay Buddha We have so much garbage on top of us, we don't see the gold. We don't see the divine within us. So one of the things that we're here on Classroom Earth, actually the main thing we're here on Classroom Earth, is to wake up to our true identity. That's part A. And part B is to live from that consciousness. So first we have to know who we are. Who are we? Who are you? Okay, let me give you a, the answer. Repeat after me. I am, I am a beautiful, beautiful beloved, beloved empowered, empowered, child of God. Child of God. Not say the whole thing. I am a beautiful, beloved, empowered child of God. Dear ones, that's who we really are, regardless. Of what anybody else has told us, what teachers have told us, what you know—forget all that garbage, because it's garbage. The truth is, we are all created in the image and likeness of the divine. We are the divine expressing here on classroom Earth. We have to wake up to the divine, and then we have to live from the divine. That's which actually—that's what Unity's five precepts are about. The fifth one is: we have to live our truth knowing the previous four are meaningless unless we live it, right? Yeah. Okay, so the bottom line is, I want us to take a second, though, and you let's say this word, beloved. Beloved. Let's say it again. Beloved. One more time. Beloved. How do you feel when you say that word? What does it feel like? warm okay cheerful very good bottom line is we have this tremendous divinity within us and it it just loves us unconditionally and it is always here for us to guide us and to bless us so we could always be in a state of gratitude just becoming aware of who we are that we're the image and likeness of the divine isn't that a reason to be grateful? Yes. Yeah, and the, the part that we're moving into consciousness about, and we're just barely scratching the surface, is the empowered part of our true so let's say our true identity again. I am a beautiful, beloved, empowered child of God. Dear ones, we're just starting to scratch the surface on the empowered piece. But we're all moving in this direction. Because this divine within us is greater than anything out there. Now, it may take us a while to start getting it, meaning one or two or more lifetimes, but we're getting it. It's it's coming along. So keep the faith. Keep the faith. We're moving in the right direction. So it's all about knowing our true identity. And one of the things, how many people remember when we were kids, there used to be a TV program, I can't remember the name of it, but they would play Songs, and there was a red ball that would bounce on top of the word that you're supposed to be singing. You know what that do? Anybody remember that? Okay, about four or five of us. This is good. So, the bottom line is what I, what I tell people is keep your eye on the bouncing ball because people get so distracted with ego traps that we forget the big picture. Now, somebody's going to say next to you might say the word beloved, and you're saying beloved, or vice versa. And we allow our ego traps to focus on the difference. You know, one of the things, that my very first minister, Paul Funk, who was a beautiful, beautiful soul, if you ask him what's the difference in unity and uh, science of mind, Paul never wanted to go there and would not go there. He would say, oh, we, we, we may sing a little bit more than them or something something like that. He's like, why focus on the differences when there's so much similarities? It's an ego trap. That's why we do it. Our ego wants us to be uh, alone in our perspective, and if somebody else isn't in the same consciousness, we, we cause separation. In fact, what a, one of the biggest things I talk about is the misusing of our fact, spiritual faculties. The most misused spiritual faculty, in my opinion, is judgment. We are never here to judge someone else. Never. Never. We are here to judge what is best. I am here to judge what is best for Ron Palumbo, period. Has nothing to do with anybody else. And if I judge somebody else, I'm misusing my judgment faculty. And what's worse, we almost always attach condemnation to it. It's an ego trap. Eliminate it. Get rid of that garbage. It does not serve your divinity. Okay? Imagine what the world would look like and will look like someday when we don't judge other people. Imagine we just accept, oh, you know, that's Ron. Yeah, he likes Italian food. Not Now, me personally, I hate Italian food, but Ron loves Italian food. What if we didn't judge other people? Can you imagine what the world is going to look like? Hold that vision. Hold that vision, because that's where we are going. So let's again say our true identity. I am a beautiful, beloved, empowered child of God. Dear ones, that's the truth of who we are. I have this thing that I created a couple decades ago called OHOs. It's optional. What's that first word? Optional. 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 Homework. Opportunity. What's that last word? Opportunity. And the reason I call it an opportunity, because every challenge in our life is an opportunity. It's not a punishment from God, which I was taught growing up. It's not anything to hurt us ever. It's to help us, but we have to be aware that it's here for our growth and our good. So optional homework opportunity. Here's what your optional homework opportunity is for those that want to take a step forward in their consciousness. Start affirming your true identity several times a day. Okay, it's really important. And now I know it sounds very simplistic, and you might just, you know, poof it off because it sounds so simple, but I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. As we keep affirming our true identity, it's going to sink deeper and deeper and deeper. What is your true identity? I am a beautiful, beloved, empowered child of God. And what's going to happen over time, you're going to start seeing yourself treating yourself more lovingly and more respectfully. I had first-hand experience with this. I remember um, I was trying to shed some excess weight. This is several years ago. I need to start doing that again, by the way. But several years ago, I basically was trying to shed some excess weight, and I had these rules that I set up to help me do that, one of the things was I wasn't going to eat anything after 10 o'clock at night. Second thing was I wasn't going to do desserts hardly ever, and um, no more than like first and maybe half of a second. Whereas I, where I, where I used to do three or four plates of the main entry. So I had to, I changed all that. So I mean, anyway, this one night, true story. It's about 11:30, 12:30 at night, and we had some pie in the refrigerator. So I go to the refrigerator, I cut a piece of pie, I'm eating, I'm halfway through the pie and I remember, oh shoot, I'm not supposed to be eating after 10 o'clock and certainly not dessert stuff. This is a true story. Now remember I told you about how I used to, Ron, you you stupid idiot, when I would do something wrong because that was the program. I blessed myself. I, I totally let it go. I finished eating the pie and I enjoyed it. That was so out of character for who I used to be. And I thought, wow, that's, um, that's not even me who's doing something like that. But what happens is not only are you going to be more loving toward yourself, I'm going to promise you that you keep working on this I am a beautiful, beloved, empowered child of God, and someday, all of a sudden, you're going to know who everybody else is. You're going to know it. And you're going to come from a different consciousness when you ch- interact with them. You're going to be more loving more forgiving, just more harmonious with the energy of everybody else. So it's, that's the journey we're going on, dear ones. That's where we're going. Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. Does this sound like Let peace begins with me when we treat everybody else more respectfully and lovingly? Yeah. We sing it. Why don't we just do it? Go for it. I want you to know that... Um, Saying this true identity thing, again, as simplistic as it sounds, it makes a difference. The first ministry I had after ordination, um, I had a dear friend. Uh, her and her husband used to come to all, all the classes that I, I used to teach, midweek classes, and um, and on Sundays. Now, she was a retired school teacher, and um, her and her husband basically... Uh, well, actually, after I was there for about four or five months, Marie came up to me and... T- now, She's the retired school teacher. She said, Ron, I want to tell you, when you first had us repeating, I'm a well, back then I was only saying, I'm a beautiful, beloved child of God. I didn't have the empowered part down yet. So she said, when you had us repeating this every Sunday, and sometimes on Wednesday night too, I wanted to slap the heck out of you. And, um, and she said, but you know, after about four or five weeks, I started thinking, maybe it's true for me. And then another four or five weeks, I started really getting it. I really am this beautiful, beloved child of God. And so, folks, it's a process of sinking deeper and deeper. And then at some point, it's going to change our behavior for, towards ourselves and then eventually toward everyone. So, don't take the homework, the optional homework opportunity, lightly. Say your true identity, do at least a set of 10 a day minimum, okay? And for those of you that are taking the workshop, I'm going to give you some additional tools around that and uh, how to make it even more impactful. So this afternoon, how how many people here are planning to attend the workshop? Three of us, four of us. I love it. This is exciting. For all the rest of you, I'm going to invite you. Now, let me tell you something. This is, now these are attendees that said this, the most powerful workshop ever one chiropractor said it's the most powerful thing he's ever experienced in his life people have had many people have had physical healings relationship healings have gotten more work better jobs increased income folks it's an immersion workshop we're going to be doing exercises we're going to be changing our consciousness remember when jesus said hey you guys aren't getting it you're supposed to have life and have it how abundantly Abundantly when we get rid of the clay that's covering us, or the garbage, I call it, when we get rid of that, the golden Buddha shines. And that's what happens to the people that take the workshop. We do the exercises to get rid of the garbage. Take out all negative energy between you and any other person alive or dead. So basically, if you could attend the workshop, please do it. It will be the best gift you can give yourself. If you can't attend the workshop, you have other plans, I'm going to invite you to postpone the plans. Come to the workshop anyway. It's it's going to be worth it. If you really can't attend it, previous attendees kept asking me, where can I buy your book? Where can I buy your book? I didn't want to write the book, but I did write the book because they would not stop asking me, where can I buy it? The entire workshop is in book form. And now we just, after the first service, we got it set up that if you want, you could purchase the workshop uh, um you have go to the hub and they'll tell you how to do that so we are going to record the workshop today so if you're going to have several opportunities to get the information again it's very empowering and what you can do to if you if you're unable to do any of the above at least do your optional homework opportunities you will be blessed thank you. Thank you.
0: We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center